Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 62 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, if you haven't listened to part one of this series with Sean Miner, make sure to go check it out before listening to this part two. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so true. I really quickly want to go back to the birth control topic because I just realized we haven't spoken about alternative Mm, birth control methods. So could you let the listeners know um, the non-hormonal uh, other kind of contraceptives we can use? Yeah, I mean, just a few, of course. Uh, w- the first one being condoms. I think that's the most obvious one. Uh, again, not here to tell you which one is best or which one you want to should do or anything like that, because everyone's different. You know, it's there's a lot of different options. There's positives and minuses to, I think, all of them. So it just depends on which ones you feel are the most beneficial and, you know, the positives outweigh the negatives. Uh, So condoms are a great one to explore. There are, you know, more natural forms too, uh, depending on your level of tolerance to latex and and things like that. So lots of different options you can look into for, for that. Um, you can also go, like I mentioned, I went the um, copper IUD route, and I personally did not do well with it. Some people do fine with it, but it is a known thing that with the copper IUDs, first of all, you are going to have heavier periods. Some of you may not mind that, um, but some of you will, especially if your periods are already pretty heavy and then you put that on top of it. It's like you never stop bleeding, which you know you experience with your, your thing. So um, that's not fun. Uh, so you have to, again, weigh that option and see if that's something that you're willing to try or not. And, you know, it is an IUD. It takes insertion. Um, sometimes that doesn't feel so good. It can be a little bit painful. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's so painful getting an IUD in. It literally in the whole day after you get it in, like it feels like you're going through like childbirth. Yeah. Well, for me, <laughs> not that I've gone through childbirth, but like it felt like something that crazy. It hurt right. so much. Right. And, um, you know, it's a, it's copper and copper is something that we have in our bodies, but we have to a very specific degree, uh, needs to be balanced appropriately and you can have have the um, possibility of having copper toxicity with, you know, obviously something that's copper in your body. So that's something to look out for too. And then um, it does cause localized inflammation in your body. That's kind of basically how it keeps you from um, creating pregnancy, you know, like having the sperm get to the egg and all that stuff. So um, something to consider too. I mean, inflammation is something that's pretty chronically uh, a problem for a lot of us. And so adding more on top of that might be something that isn't good for your body. That's kind of, I think, the case for me is it just really put me the o- over the edge as far as inflammation goes. And that's why I felt really bloated and really inflamed and, and puffy and all that stuff. So it wasn't worth it for me. But, you know, it's not hormones. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we're talking about it, because it could be an option for some of you, for sure. And then um, the last one we'll talk about is natural family planning. As I mentioned before, uh, that's basically using your own body's cues to tell you when you're ovulating. So people use this to 
get pregnant <laughs> and people use this to not get pregnant. Um, and that is just basically you kind of tracking your signs. And this is one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it's basically forcing you to be more in touch with your body, in touch with your cycle, intuitive with what's going on with you. And I've had a lot of women go into this and realize they're not ovulating at all. And that's really, really important to a healthy female body is to actually ovulate. So you can go through some of these signs and and understand more about what your ovulation is and your cycle looks like and all that stuff. So um, the three main things that you're looking for are your temperature change. So you take your temperature first thing every morning while you're still in bed um, and you get this base temperature. And when you're when you ovulate, your temperature spikes up and it stays up the rest of the month. So, you know, mid-month, you all of a sudden will see your temperature spike by like almost a degree, usually a different for everybody, of course, and you know that you're ovulating. Uh, and also, you're looking for changes in your cervical fluid. So when you are ovulating, your cervical fluid will become more of like the egg white, kind of like stringy. I know this is gross to talk about, but, you know, we're all women here, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, not gross. Yeah. So it will go from more being more creamy or watery to more actually um, like an egg white texture. And that's kind of, uh, I think, one of the best and biggest and easiest signs that um, you're ovulating. Uh, so then you'll know. When do you ovulate usually? Is it like before or after your period? It will be right in the middle. So it'll be usually between days like f- 14 to 17 for most women, kind of depending okay. on how long of a cycle you have. That would be, you know, the average 28 to 30 day cycle. You'll you'll mm-hmm. ovulate, ovulate. And we're starting as day one being the start of your period. So day one is mm-hmm. when you start bleeding. And then you'll kind of go about two weeks ish out, and that's when you'll look for signs of ovulation. So the and how many days do you ovulate for usually? Um, a couple, like I'd say one to two. One to two. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes maybe three for some people. Again, depending on changes and how long things go for them. But yeah, not very long. So, um, but you can uh, have um. There is the opportunity for an egg to be fertilized for, I think, about a week um, around that time. So basically, if you're trying not to get pregnant, then you look for signs of ovulation and then you basically abstain or use a condom for a week-ish around there. So, um, and yeah, and then the third thing you're looking for, you can actually uh, feel your cervix will, um, you know, and this would require you actually feeling around uh, a up there, but you would be looking for your cervix to drop and soften a little bit. So all of these things are, and really, I mean, even if you can do two of the three, then you're a pretty safe bet. And that's a really good way for you to know that you're ovulating. So of course, if you're looking to get pregnant, this would mean you would, (laughs) you know, make sure you start uh, having intercourse. And then if you're don't want to, you would, like I said, abstain or use a condom or some other alternative during that time. Uh, And I have to be honest, I learned all of this through the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. It is so good. I actually didn't even read the whole thing. You don't even need to, but you can get, read the first like third, because it's a really long book and very detailed. You can read the first third and you'll know exactly what to do. And you'll feel so much more confident about taking this into your own hands. So I highly, highly recommend that book. Um, 
and you know we'll make sure to have that linked hopefully because it is so mm-hmm. great and i think every woman should read that especially if you're on the fence about getting off the pill or getting on the pill or you just don't feel comfortable making sure that you don't get pregnant you don't trust that option just read that first and it will take all your fears away. And it actually, for me, it left me so much more empowered. It was like, oh my gosh, I have all this control to know exactly what my body's doing every single day of every single month. Like this is really cool. And it probably sounds a little hard right now just talking about these things that you're looking for. It's really not. It gets very easy within even a a few months. Um, You really become just used to it and really in tune with what you're looking for and around what time of your cycle you're looking for it. And it just leaves you feeling really empowered. Yeah. I love that. I'm so going to buy that book. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. So what I'm going to do, and I've been honest about this on uh, another podcast that I I recorded when I spoke about it a little bit. Um, I'm going to to get, uh, I think it's the Daisy. It's like a temperature and app tracker Mm -hmm. for my, my periods. I'm going to track my, you know, uh, like discharge and stuff and see kind of when I'm ovulating. And honestly, I've been with my boyfriend for over a year and like, I, I'm not that like, I don't love condoms to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like I feel like I, this, it's just not for me personally. So, um, I'm, I'm going to track my period and when I'm ovulating in the week around that, I'm not going to have sex with my boyfriend, but you know, for the other weeks, I think we're just going to yep. pull out and see how that goes. You know, I have a lot of friends that, that use that method. And I know it sounds like it just doesn't work, but if you do it effectively, um, you know, it's nine, or if you do it properly, it's 94% effective mm-hmm. to do pull out. And if I do that on top of tracking, I think I'll be, I'll be pretty safe. So that's what I think I've decided to do. Yeah, that sounds great. And especially if you take those, you know, a few months to really understand your body and your cycle, you'll feel super confident with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We have a little bit of time left and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about diet and nutrition and especially the keto way of living because that's kind of how I found your podcast. Um, you listeners know that I love eating a higher fat, lower carb diet and it's really changed my life and it's really just made me have such a better relationship with food, you know, because I I feel like since eating higher fat, I don't think about food as much. And I think I used to be quite like obsessed um, with food. And like you said before, like, you know, a lot of women kind of fall into that restrictive eating and it's just not healthy. And I feel like eating keto has just made me more in tune with my body and I'm not scared of food anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to kind of generally talk about this with you because it is obviously your whole brand, the Keto for Women podcast. And I think, you know, obviously you're so informative about all this. And for a new listener uh, that that doesn't really know that much about a keto lifestyle, do you want to kind of maybe give them the ins and outs? Yeah, for sure. So like you mentioned, and if we're talking in terms of just really basic, what does keto mean, which I'm sure you've probably talked about it here, but just generally it means a high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet. Now the intricacies come in because when we say keto, we actually mean ketosis. So we're getting our body into a state of ketosis where we are producing ketones. Uh, And so that's where this diet change comes into play because um, ketones are basically, I like to think of them as like the signaler to our bodies to use fat as fuel. 
Now, most of us, like 99% of us are sugar burners. So we use glucose for fuel, which is cool. That's fine. No big deal. Uh, Except with glucose, there's a very short span of time that you have uh, the glucose available and then you're depleting it if you're even being active or just using your brain or just living life, you deplete it and then you get hungry and you have low blood sugar and you need to have a snack and all that stuff. And it's just this roller coaster. So we get on this crazy, crazy blood sugar roller coaster and we get hangry um, and we get tired in the middle of the day. We require snacks all the time, all that stuff. It's just really kind of annoying, to be honest. I was there for a long time. Um, so most of us don't know that there's another source of fuel available that our bodies can can do, which is to use fat as fuel. But we have to kind of go through this process of producing ketones um, in order to teach our bodies that that's what we want to happen. So it's not enough to just have this like, oh, low carb diet, no big deal. Uh, I'm just going to do this. And all of a sudden I'm keto. No, you're not. You have to actually teach your body to produce ketones, which is where this high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet comes in because you are depleting your glucose levels enough in your body that it basically is like, shoot, I don't have any of this energy I'm used to using. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but now I'm just going to call in the reserves, this alternate system, which is like a different metabolic process, um, and start producing ketones. So we have to get our bodies to that level. So that glucose needs to be low enough for a long enough amount of time for this other system to start basically revving up. So that's where the the low carbohydrate comes in. Um, the moderate protein is just because we don't we can also get a glucose spike from um, eating too much protein. So again, we want to keep that glucose level low enough to continue producing ketones and to even start producing ketones. And then we um, we have the high fat because uh, ketones are produced by fatty acids. So we have to be able to provide enough fatty acids, not only for every other process in the body. There's so many reasons that we need uh, fats in our diet and to uh, break down to those fatty acids. Um, But then on top of that, we also need to want to, I guess, start producing ketones, which that's kind of a main ingredient of those ketones. So that's where the diet change comes in. And like, this is probably not even what you thought I was going to say, but I want to make sure that people understand that because one of my biggest, biggest things is that if you're going to do keto, then actually get into ketosis. There's a lot of people out there and keto super, super hot right now, very trendy. Um, and, you know, I hope it stays that way and I hope it it builds more so for the right reasons for it being in this like really healthy, amazing keto lifestyle. It's a very healing protocol that can be had for um everybody, but especially for us as women. But um, I think there's a lot of people out there right now saying they're doing keto, but they're not actually in ketosis. And there's a big, big difference between the two. You can eat a keto diet and not be producing ketones. And actually what we're doing as women is creating, um, you know, again, back to this stress thing, we're creating a huge stressor on our bodies because all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I'm used to, I'm used to um, burning glucose as fuel. And now that's gone and I don't have this other source of fuel. So now I'm just totally depleted of what I'm used to using for energy. And that's super stressful on our bodies. Um, Cortisol will come into play, all that good stuff that we just talked about um, with our, our stress levels. So that's what I really love to talk about with women is making sure you're getting into ketosis, actually taking the time to 
change your your diet in that way to the degree necessary for you to produce ketones. How do you track your ketones? Because I used to use the pea strips. Mm -hmm. I haven't in a while, but that's kind of how I've done it. Yeah, I actually don't recommend those at all, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) you could, if you really wanted to, use them for maybe like the first week. uh, And they would be somewhat accurate. But from there, they become completely inaccurate. And actually, what they're going to do is give you false negatives. They're going to say you're out of ketosis, not producing ketones, when you actually are. You're just not... Um, excreting them in your urine anymore because you're using them and and that, you know, the one that specifically uh, is excreted in our urine um, depletes after the first couple of weeks and, and is, you know, kind of takes a back seat. So you're just basically giving yourself, you know, stress trying to be like, why the heck am I not in ketosis anymore when I just was when you use those, um, those strips. So I prefer just from the get go, don't even bother getting those. I know they're cheap and whatever, but um, just save your money and invest it in a uh, blood ketone meter, which is way more accurate. It will be accurate from the get go forever and will really provide you a ton of information. And beyond that, just knowing you're in ketosis, which if you're looking at the blood meter would be somewhere between 0.5 and 3.0 on that blood meter. So if you're testing your blood um, and you see that, then you know you're in ketosis, you're doing the right thing, everything's going really well, but it it because it gives you like a number reading that's really specific, it lets you know so much more information about keto for you too. So, you know, if you're, you know, the say it's 0. 0.5 to 3.0, you're at 0. 0.8, but you don't really feel the benefits of ketosis, then you might be someone that needs to be more of like 1.2, 1.5, something like that to where you're starting to feel those benefits. There's other women that are at 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 and feel great. And they just are learning that information about them. So it just, you can really use it as a tool to learn more about your body, your version of keto, all that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think I'm going to invest in one of those because I, yeah, I've been like lately, I haven't, I don't think I'm in ketosis right now. Like I've had a little bit more like sweet potato and like not, well, not like carby fruit, but I've had like more berries and like haven't really been tracking. And I know tracking is just like unrealistic to do forever, but that's kind of the thing that actually did help me to, to get into ketosis. Um, but, but yeah, what do you think though about like sweet potato and, and certain fruits? Because this is a pretty controversial one. I know some people in the health space think it's totally okay, but other people think it's just not really like beneficial at all. Yeah, if you're, what do you if think you're about that? Deep into this keto community, then anybody that talks about fruit or sweet potato or squash or anything like that, you think is the devil. I am not that person. <laughs> um, so I <laughs> personally, I eat carbohydrates when my body feels like eating carbohydrates. Like I'm really in tune with my body and what it requires and needs as far as energy um, and just even like cravings. If I feel like all of a sudden I'm craving sugar, it's just because I want more carbs. My body wants more carbs or needs more carbs at that time. So I am all about intuitive keto. It's like my, my big push right now because there's just too many people, again, really in the keto space, but doing it and counting the macros and using an app and all that stuff. And like you said, it's not sustainable. And I really just think like that takes all the pleasure out of eating. And I do think that food and our, 
meals should be fun and exciting and enjoyable. And that should be a really great time of day for us. But when you have to get out your phone and track everything on the app and check the calories and the fat grams and all that stuff, it takes all of that away. So I hate that. I've never once um, actually tracked anything on any sort of app um, when in ketosis and I can stay in ketosis. So um, I think when you when you can actually drop the app and start listening to your own body, which it sounds like you're doing right now, and sweet potatoes and fruit are sounding good to you. And I think that is awesome. I think listening and learning and um, taking that advice, basically, that your body is giving you is all you need to do. And uh, the thing is, you may not be in ketosis, and um, that's okay. It's not like you're doing anything wrong because you're not in ketosis, but you're still providing your body with what it needs and wants. And you have taken the time to get into ketosis at one point. So you were there, you taught your body that process, how to do that. And so it's not like you're going to go from that to being a sugar burner again right away. Like now you have this metabolic flexibility. So when you have had a sweet potato or some fruit, you're going to burn through that glucose and then you're going to go right back to being a fat burner. Uh, You have this flexibility, which is so nice and really comforting to our body to have that like backup plan almost. So um, I really think that as long as you have taken that time to kind of get your system going with that metabolic flexibility, there's no reason that you can't have sweet potato or other carbohydrates as long as they're, they are sound good to you. And as long as you feel good eating them, you know, if you're eating a sweet potato and then you have this like major blood sugar crash, and you have to go take a nap, then it's probably not good, but it sounds like you're doing good things. And, you know, for me, I eat carbs usually somewhere around my workouts too, um, because I, my body just requires more sh- blood, sh- you know, uh, sorry, more glucose at that time, because I just am working out really hard. Mm -hmm. I think when I first started, the only positive thing that tracking really did for me was that I didn't know like what had what carbs Mm -hmm. in it. Like I was never really aware of like, you know, different foods and and how much carbs is in each of them. So I kind of, it gave me just like an idea, which is good. And now I think I can, I can look at a plate of food and say, hmm, okay, like this is definitely like 70% fat, mm-hmm. uh, 15% uh, carbs and whatever. Right. So I, yeah. But um, the other thing I was going to ask you is what do you think about, because obviously you're really into quality of food as a nutritionist and especially a functional nutritionist. What do you think about dairy? Because this is a really controversial one. I feel like when I cut down on the carbs, I just want cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I have I have my thoughts on dairy. I personally don't eat dairy, or if I do, it's it's very rare. Say like once every three months or so, uh, because I was eating dairy when I first started keto, and because I think that's just something that happens. It's like oh, I'm keto. I'm going to eat all the dairy. And yeah, it's easy. Yeah. And because it's a great source of fat. Um, But I started feeling really inflamed and puffy and and just not good again. So I took it back out. I was dairy free for about five years prior to that. Um, So the thing that I feel with dairy is that as long as you know for you as a person that you tolerate dairy just fine, and it's just it's unfortunate, but it's true. There's just a lot of people that are sensitive to dairy. It just is like the main one. Now there's a lot of people that don't know they're sensitive to dairy because they haven't eliminated it ever. So right now they're eating it and they feel fine. They think everything's good to go, but that's because their immune system is like on overdrive trying to keep up and trying to uh, kind of combat that 
quote unquote invader that's going on every time they eat dairy. So I've, as long as you've taken the steps to know that you do well with dairy, which would mean taking it out. So not eating it for at least a month, you know, four weeks of a, an elimination, put it back in and then see how you do. By then you've given your body a time to um, this, the immune system has kind of slowed down. It's gotten back to normal. And then you will notice a reaction when you put dairy back in, you'll notice like your skin breaks out or you have digestive upset or you get a headache or you feel sleepy and sluggish. Those are all signs that you have a food sensitivity to that food. So I would say take it out and see how you do when you put it back in. So then you know whether you tolerate it or not. And if you do, my only other thing as a nutritionist and someone that cares a ton about uh, food quality is to make sure as much as possible that you are getting raw pasture-raised dairy. Um, It's hard to get in some places, easy to get in others. It just kind of depends on where you live. But um, do everything you can to get the the raw, unpasteurized, uh, full fat, organic, all that good stuff, dairy. So you really know that where you're getting that dairy source from, that cow had a really has a really good life and is really healthy and all that stuff that will really make a huge difference. Uh, and then the only other thing I'll say about dairy is that it is a known, or I guess it has a very known property that makes it basically um addictive (laughs) so it attaches yeah (laughs) yeah so keep that in mind and make sure that when you're eating dairy it's because you legitimately really truly um your body really wants it and is is craving it and not just this like addictive thing that's going on i've definitely experienced Mm -hmm. the addictive uh feelings towards cheese uh (laughs) i'll admit it like it's just so easy to go to when you're doing high fat, but there's so many alternatives. And also, um, you know, I recently did a podcast with Dr. Will Cole, who's the author of Ketotarian. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but he's so great. Like, and to you listeners, you can go listen to that podcast. I don't know what number it is, but I'll link that below too. Um, He's amazing. And he also just really simplifies everything and approaches the whole keto life in a really holistic and like healthful way because there's so many people if you google keto recipes you'll get recipes full of you know like conventional butter and cream cheese and like you know meat that is not organic or grass-fed and like they don't a lot of them don't care about quality and I think quality is the most important thing in the entire world and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you do as well so like just obviously like you know, looking at your resources and, and making sure that you're looking at certain people's work that actually look at it from like a holistic point of view, like Dr. Mark Hyman is also Mm -hmm. amazing. I don't know. I'm sure you know him as well, but but yeah. So what kind of like pointers would you give to someone that wants to start on this kind of lifestyle and diet? Like what are some, some easy swaps that they could make? Well, the first thing is just focus on real food. I mean, like you just said, I don't even really care if you want to be keto or what you want to do, but get your the massive chunk of your food intake from real food. That means, you know, like shopping the perimeter is also a way that people put it. Don't go through the aisles. Don't look for things that are in bags or boxes or anything like that. Don't um, get any foods that you don't know what the the ingredient on the label even says or means or how to even pronounce it. Go for the real stuff that has one ingredient, you know, the produce, the meats, the eggs, the dairy, if you do dairy, uh, and, and 
that should be the bulk of your food choices. Um, you know, luckily, I think now, uh, at least here in the U.S., we have a lot of really good real food, I call them convenience foods. So if those make up a, a little portion of that, which as long as you can read the foods on the labels and you know what they are, then uh, that could be a choice for, you know, some last minute snacks or something like that that you need if you're traveling, something along those lines. But again, you're really getting your food choices from from the real food stuff. And so that, I mean, I think that is just like the biggest thing overall, no matter what you're doing. But if you want to actually go the next step and, and go this more low carb, high fat keto, it's it's so easy. People think it's so hard and they make it seem so difficult. And it's like, I see so many that want to start keto. So then they get all these keto cookbooks and they make all these like super intricate recipes and they burn out on it in like five days because they're all, all they do is spend time in the kitchen. They have no time for anything else because they think it needs to be hard, but it really, really doesn't. I highly recommend that people, if they do want to start more keto, then just keep it really simple. So swap out if you're used to having rice or noodles or something like that, get some cauliflower rice or make your own, um, roast a bunch of vegetables, make zucchini noodles or buy them, uh, depending on if you have that available. Just keep everything so simple. You can swap out almost everything nowadays for like a vegetable type that really does work wonders. Like I think Kali rice is amazing. I think zucchini noodles are amazing. They work so well to get you off that like habit of having rice or noodles or something. Um, so you can do that and then you have that nice piece of, of healthy, good, high quality meat and just top it with fat. It's so easy. Make some uh, and really the cool thing is, and the biggest question is always like, how do I get enough fat? And I think that's the easiest question to answer because the cool thing is, um, like all the good, uh, I guess, flavor enhancing things like sauces, uh, dressings, anything like that is fat based. So make this really awesome dressing. I have a recipe for ranch dressing on my website. It's dairy free, keto friendly, all real food mm. ingredients. It is so freaking good. So go make like two batches of that. Put that on everything. Um, you can make like chimichurri or pesto. Uh, you can make even like like um, like hollandaise, uh, mayo. There's so many options for things that you can use to enhance the flavor that is fat based, right? And real like food ingredients fat based. So do that and top everything with that, whether you're having a salad, uh, whether you're having a piece of meat, whether you're having roasted vegetables, no matter what, just put on the sauces and the dressings and you'll it will taste so good too. It really, really is that easy. So batch cook a bunch of vegetables, batch cook a bunch of meat, make that um, dressing or sauce of choice and do it. Just just make it pretty basic for those first couple of weeks. Don't try any crazy recipes because you will um, burn out. I promise. Mm -hmm. What do you think about snacking? Um, I like. What do you do? Do you do two meals a day or like like snack or graze? Because I I feel like 
I am torn with this because sometimes I graze all day. Sometimes I do intermittent fasting or actually most days I do intermittent fasting and then just have two solid meals. It just depends. It depends on the person and, and what they're looking to do and how their body reacts to certain things. I do not react well to fasting at all. <laughs> um, so I do a normal fast. It's usually about 12, 13 hours uh, just because I'm sleeping and it's nighttime and then it's morning. So I do that as it comes naturally to my life. But anything beyond that, my body doesn't like because I do work out so hard in the gym. I need those um, that energy source. And, and so it, it doesn't work for me. So I eat three meals a day. Um, sometimes I snack if I'm hungry in, in between like lunch or dinner, I'll have a little something. But usually it's just those three big meals per day. And, and that's plenty. But it, it doesn't have to be a yes or no answer. And it shouldn't be a yes or no answer because everyone's different. If you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't. It's really that easy. Um, and especially with keto, you know, your hunger cues kind of change a little bit. You have a lot more balanced uh, hunger cues. And because your blood sugar is so balanced, you don't have these cravings or this need for food in the middle of the day. So a lot of people can start going from lunch to dinner without eating and not needing that mid-afternoon snack, which is just a great benefit of keto. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of your favorite keto snacks? Like I personally love nuts, but I feel like I overeat them sometimes because they're just like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I um, (laughs) actually took a step back from nuts recently because I was just using nut butters for everything. It was like morning, noon, night. I was having nut butter as my snack, my meal, everything. (laughs) So I took a step back. So now I'll do, I still do uh, like 90% dark chocolate sometimes. Um, I'll do like smoked salmon, uh, I'll have some, even just vegetables and my ranch for dipping. Uh, those are pretty much, I, you know, sometimes I'll have like, or like a, um, turkey dipped in ranch and I'll roll that up, you know, with avocado, even sometimes just simple things, just usually whatever's around the house, but it just depends on how hungry I am. Sometimes it'll be like almost a whole meal. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm just, you know, uh, snacking, just picking up a handful of, something here or there. So it, it really is is easy. It's just kind of changing your mentality around food. Mm-hmm. It's all about changing your mentality. It's so true. Like I remember a few years ago, like I've always been very healthy, but a few years ago, like when I was in university and stuff, like definitely was not like the healthiest I've ever been, especially with all the drinking and stuff. But the past year has been really a massive change for me health wise. That's kind of when I first started discovering higher fat and like it's definitely just a total mentality switch. Like you don't just change your diet and then your body changes like, or your, your health changes. It's like, there's a whole process and it takes longer than you think. It is a process and all of it takes time. And and I think that's the biggest thing with keto is, um, you know, a lot of people are starting it just kind of this quick fix mentality. Uh, they're going to try it for a month and see what happens. It takes a lot longer than that. So just be patient, give your body some grace, learn more about yourself, um, take it all in stride and you will start seeing some really awesome improvements. Mm. So, so obviously keto is great for like weight loss and there's so many health benefits. Like, could you maybe list out some other health benefits that the listeners might not know? Yeah. So it's 
awesome for uh, mental energy. It's basically, you know, ketones are, they pass the blood brain barrier and can be used for energy right away from our brain. So uh, you get like this really awesome mental clarity. If you have any sort of brain fog or anything that lifts, you feel really focused, really clear. It's amazing. You have really good sustained energy too. So you'll notice that you just like don't have those slumps like I was talking about. And and even your workouts feel more energized and you just basically are, are feeling great and feeling very sustained energy wise from the moment you get out of bed to the moment your head hits the pillow again. Um, So that's all just, it's all other stuff to look at beyond just what your body is doing or how your body is changing. And that's what I find really important Um, for women specifically, the way, the things that it can do for your hormones when you are doing a good balanced ketogenic diet for a woman is really great. It really will balance out your hormones. It will get that. um, Again, the stress goes back to the stress. It will get the cortisol levels balanced out too, your thyroid levels balanced out. uh, And you really will start to notice changes um, even in your, uh, your menstrual cycle. So that's one of the biggest things I see in my class that I teach for women. So um, that's really great. You sleep better. You'll notice that you just sleep deeper. You get to bed quicker. You don't have insomnia. You don't wake up in the middle of the night. All that good stuff, which is so great. Um, and yeah, you'll you'll get stronger quicker. You'll get faster quicker. All those good things that happen in the gym, you'll start seeing those improvements just happen a little bit easier and a little bit faster, which is so nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I could go on and on, but those are kind of the biggest ones. Yeah, that's amazing. It really is just life changing. I'm just going to add on that, like, it's like I said before, really changed my relationship with food. And, you know, I think I was a bit more obsessed with food even last year, Um, not to like an extremely unhealthy level, but I would like think about it. Oops, sorry, the phone's ringing. (laughs) I would um, just think about it a bit more often. You know what I mean? And, and now it's like I'm satiated. I'm not thinking about food until my body is telling me that I'm hungry again. And that's it. And yeah, it's just, it's life changing for me. Cause if you're thinking about food 90% of the time and then you just, you know, stop, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really like a revelation. It's amazing. Yeah. I tell people all the time that uh, the first and only time I've ever felt food freedom was when I started the keto diet, which has now been two years ago. Uh, it's like all of a sudden it wasn't the top of my mind because I did feel satisfied. And that's one of the benefits, of course, of eating a higher fat diet is, you know, fats are just really satiating. So you can go longer without needing food. You go five, six hours and just kind of forget about food entirely, which has never been the case for me. You know, I'm from kind of the fitness industry in my past life. And it was like, eat every six hours or sorry, eat every two hours, six times a day. So it's like, all you have no time to think about anything but food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we are done. Thank you so much, Sean. Um, I think I might even make this into a two-part uh, mm-hmm. episode because we've gone kind of over the time, which is, I'm so happy about it because this was just like the best. Yeah, I'm this so happy great. about this. I know. I'm so excited for the listeners to hear this too, because honestly, I've learned so much in this episode and I'm sure they will as well. Um, Do you want to let them know like your socials and obviously your podcast and everything so they can go check you out? Yeah, sure. So on Instagram, I am Sean Minor and Facebook, 
I am Sean Minor Health. So you can go find me on either one of those. Uh, website, SeanMinor.com. And then Keto for Women Show podcast is literally anywhere you would ever listen or watch anything. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, iTunes, all those good things. So you can find me there and start listening in. Yeah, guys, definitely add this to your podcast uh, daily listen because it's so informational. And like, I honestly love the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So thank you so much again, Sean. I really love talking to you. Let's definitely stay yes, in touch. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Mimi.